you've recorded documentaries in all kinds of situations, so you know the routine. Yeah, I also know technology is, is bonkers. Is that the tagline for the documentary, the YouTube effect? Technology is bonkers? Um, I think it's the just the, the tagline for my entire life. Okay. <laughs> it's my epitaph. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, welcome to My Summer Lair. I'm your host, Sammy. 69, dude. Tune in. Director Alex Winter takes a break from the Tribeca Film Festival to visit My Summer Lair and discuss his documentary, The YouTube Effect. You know Alex Winter as the non-Keanu Reeves half of Bill and Ted. While Keanu is rightfully busy avenging his dog, mash those guys up, Alex has mainly been directing documentaries that explore the impact of technology on our society. The YouTube Effect is a nuanced look at the utopian and dystopian aspects of the popular platform we all use. You know the negative. Misinformation has ruled, creating a bogus journey for many lost boys. The positive is that it's an excellent journey, especially for showbiz kids, typically ignored by traditional media. One more Bill and Ted reference, then we're going to wrap this up. All of this leaves us with the strange things that are afoot at the Circle K feeling. When the internet first started, it felt like that classic 1980 Coke commercial, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Now the idea of harmony seems almost naive. Like, Netflix doesn't even show us the same tiles for their shows. They change based on who you are and your interests. When we used to go into the Blockbuster, the video store, you had one box, one image of True Lies or Jurassic Park. Netflix changes it based on who you are and your interest. Crazy, right? Two key points before I let Alex speak. One, I so appreciate the number of times used the word nuance. Nuance is the most valuable online currency there is because it's so rare. Wisdom comes from recognizing and accepting nuance no matter how uncomfortable it may be. Two, do this hope. Nuance is good at that. It smoothly provides hope, like the calming reassurance from a stoic grandmother. Here now is Alex Winter, director of the YouTube Effect, which premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. Sound, the final frontier. My Summer Lair is an enterprise, a pop culture voyage with a continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new creators and celebrate established producers to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now here is your host, Sammy Yunan. Before we talk about your new documentary, The YouTube Effect, we got I recognize that we're talking a couple of days after Bill and Ted Day, which of course is 69, dude, uh, June 9. Do you do anything special for Bill and Ted Day or just kind of enjoy all the excellent reaction to this like unique movie? I was honestly at Tribeca, so I was knee-deep in all the documentary stuff that mm -hmm. whole day. We had premieres that day, so that's where my head was. Fair enough. Bill and Ted Day is obviously a community, uh, especially online, uh, and your latest documentary, The YouTube Effect, it recognizes a lot of online communities, both good and bad, which is a theme that runs throughout your work. What are like? Why are you compelled to investigate the, the evolution of these online communities? What attracts you to these digital third places? Um... I mean, I've been around the Internet for a long time, uh, since the 80s, and uh, I took an interest in 
kind of the growth of internet communities back in the 80s before the web, uh, which led to me telling the Napster story in, in my documentary Downloaded and then the the Darknet story in, in, in Deep Web. Um, I've done some other stuff around the tech space. So I'm mostly interested in the, the implications of, of online communities and uh, sort of how they're impacting the planet and how they're changing the planet uh, for good and ill. Um, I don't see them as all negative by any stretch. And YouTube is the biggest uh, of these platforms on the planet by an order of magnitude. So that's kind of why I was interested in, in telling this story. Was there a particular watershed moment or event? As you said, like you're interested in like how these communities impact the planet. Was there a particular watershed moment or event where you decided it was time to wrestle with the YouTube effect and, and make a documentary? I think there were a couple things that, 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 that spawned uh, the desire to really get it done now. And I think one of those for me was just watching friends that I had um, who were influencers grow their platforms and have uh, enormous um, impact around the world. Um, and it was also, you know, because I'm in the entertainment industry, seeing watching YouTube become a significant player in the distribution and, and creation of media. And one of the things that I really liked about YouTube um, was that it was it was sort of ahead of the game, in my opinion, in terms of embracing diversity mm -hmm. and it marginalized voices around the world. Uh, it was far ahead of, I feel, of the entertainment industry in doing that. And you were able to see, you know, trans and and uh, people of color and people in foreign countries who didn't have a voice. And, you know, people were creating entertainment. They were creating political content that was getting a lot of uh, views and a lot of engagement. Um, and I think that really helped begin to drive a much more diverse approach to entertainment um, in the U.S. specifically. And that was very positive. I also was watching a lot of disinformation flowing out um, of some of these channels that had huge engagement and then seeing that those were being funded by very big um, uh, political entities and that began to worry me. And, and that came to a head, I think, with the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand, where the shooter literally identified YouTube as his point of radicalization. And so uh, Gail Ann Hurd, the, the great producer, uh, came to me a couple of years ago and asked me, said she had some access points in YouTube and was I interested in, in working with her on this. And that's when I jumped on board and dove in because I was, I was very eager to make a documentary about sort of the last few years in, in, on this planet by way of Trump and COVID and climate mm -hmm. and disinformation and uh, technology's role in that and YouTube and Google's role in that specifically. So that gave me a, a starting point. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Gail Ann Hurd because she was a producer uh, on the original James Cameron Terminator trilogy. And so originally, like, Skynet was a cautionary tale. Then it kind of became an online meme. We've diluted the danger. Is there, a, like, a concern the legitimate issues raised in the documentary will go unheeded? Like, the documentary says we're currently in a misinformation apocalypse. So almost like we need a John or Sarah Connor. I think that I don't make documentaries with the kind of hubris that they will change policy. Um, I, I really don't. I, I think that... I'm first and foremost a storyteller, and the first thing I'm looking to do is actually tell an entertaining and coherent and impactful story. 
that's the most important thing to me. And I and the story the story that we told is very specific. It has a very specific cast of characters, and it tells a very specific story. Um, the hope is to convey the essence and the nuance of something, not to give answers. Uh, and that 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 has the ability. I mean, film is very powerful. Documentaries are very powerful. I mean, that's the visual media medium is very powerful. That's why YouTube has the grip that it has on on people. So I do hope that people are kind of activated uh, and come away with a, a deeper and, and more activated understanding of the impact of, of this technology on the planet. Yeah, one of the... For both, for both good and ill. I mean, honestly, like I, I think that there's so much negative um, and I find kind of hyperbolically and counterproductively negative information and, and content out there about the internet. It's not really helping us as a culture move forward. And I think we have to take a more nuanced and agnostic approach uh, in order to get anywhere. Yeah, I was going to reference like uh, Caleb Kane because he was one of the individuals as one of the stories that you follow in the documentary. And he fell in basically with a bad online crowd, which is a lot of alt-right videos and misinformation, what you're talking about. And at one point he says, when he looks back at his experience, he says it was killing my empathy. Yeah, it's it's it detaches you from sort of your own basic uh, common sense on a fundamental level. If you're getting, um, uh, if you're falling prey to sort of uh, a massive info dump of of disinformation, which is being directed at you by someone who's looking into a camera and and acting like your best friend, it's a very very powerful uh, parasocial relationships that are formed online are extremely powerful and have. Uh, the ability to take hold. And that, again, that can be a good thing. That can create empathy. Uh, there's a lot of people on YouTube who are, who are, have, I think, very profound relationships with their, uh, uh, the people, their subscribers to their channels and, and are able to do a lot of good. There's a lot of really important medical work being done. There was a lot of very um, accurate COVID information all over YouTube that was extremely helpful all through the pandemic. Um, so it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if somebody is, is, is propagandizing you and coming at you with a, a very carefully curated message uh, to drive you towards aggressive action, towards hateful action, um, that is equally powerful. And as a result, that is very dangerous. So how do you balance then the, I guess, anxiety with the optimism? As you said, because this is such a nuanced thing, it's not one thing. Like, Cigarettes were bad, so then we kind of worked on, we kind of got rid of cigarettes. There was no, like, plus side to cigarettes. Uh, but this is a lot more nuanced. So how do you balance the anxiety with the optimism? Well, I think a better, uh, you can look at uh, U.S. Steel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at the railroad industry. You can look at the automotive industry, right? The anxieties around the, the size of those companies and some of the dangers and, and ill consequences of those companies coupled with their, their, uh, their great use required, uh, approaching them with nuance. That's just, and I think that, um, while it can be comforting to tell stories that are just extremely, uh, condemning, uh, because that's just once you're falling on one side and you can wag your finger in the face of people all through your documentary for an hour and a half. And, you know, the audience can feel pumped up with that. I, I think that's as negative as, as bad disinformation on the Internet, where you walk away and your dopamine levels are high and you feel very gratified and you feel like your, you know, your echo chamber has been <laughs> yeah. uh, appropriately, appropriately served, right? Yeah. Validation. Um, but you, 
Yeah, you've been validated and and uplifted and and you know energized, but it's it's like a bag of potato chips. It's it's empty calories. You're not going to walk away from that with any any sense of I, I of depth or um, or nuance. And for me, I try to make docs that 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 aggravate the audience a little bit, that don't make things easy for them, that don't serve them in that way, but actually. Uh, you know, potentially disrupt them, uh, maybe even make them angry. Who knows? But the 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 reality is, we live in a on a planet right now where we can't just fall really hard on one side or the other. There are prevailing anxieties and there are prevailing um, positives. Um, it's inarguable that that we live uh, as a human society in a much better time than we ever have. And that is due in part to rapid advances in, in medicine and technology. And so I think that it's a much more realistic approach to say, look, technology is a, has brought the planet together. It's given voice to the marginalized. It's helped people in, in living under the yoke of autocratic governments to, to speak out and, and to help um, create change within those, those uh, governments in countries, uh, it is, you know, technologies within medicine is making, helping to make huge advances in, in so many areas. Uh, it helps to connect the planet, helped us get to a vaccine faster to save millions of lives during the COVID pandemic um, that's ongoing. So for me, I, I would prefer to look at these, these issues realistically. And the, the, the truth is that we live in an anxious time because things are moving so quickly. And because the tools that we have are so powerful, they can be they can be misused to very powerful effect. And when you interviewed the CEO of YouTube, uh, Susan Mujewski, like, did you get the sense she understands the enormity of the impact YouTube is having and had had? Like, she's obviously trying to run a billion dollar company, so I don't know that she always has the luxury of time to kind of contemplate all the impact. I think that that. I couldn't possibly put words in her mouth because I don't know her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way you, that you couldn't be somewhat overwhelmed by the enormity of the impact of that platform. Uh, but I uh, has had plenty of time to face the consequences of some of the more negative aspects of, the, of their reach. And I think it is it if if a company of this size will not do the very delicate and difficult work of addressing those consequences, then it, it is the responsibility of our government and the the civic populace to to take steps to address those consequences. Yeah, it's interesting because Google removed don't be evil. Uh, back in 2018 and it kind of made a lot of people upset and made people nervous <laughs> it wasn't like they were just committing to evil at that point but it was just I think they were kind of recognizing their their position right um, and they were kind of shifting what their what their I guess northern star was going to be who knows it's possible um, I, I'm not sure why they changed their logos it wasn't like they suddenly embraced an initiative to to, to correct some of the consequences of, of the platform um, and its power. I think that what we need to see is obviously not topical cosmetic changes, but fundamental changes. Um, and I, I, I'm not one of these people that would say that it's very easy to do. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I don't think content moderation is easy. I don't think the answer lies in simply abolishing Section 230. I think that would be disastrous. Um, so there, you know, antitrust laws, uh, you know, anti-monopoly um, legislation. Uh, these are the kinds of things they'll end up falling under if they don't um, if they don't take steps to to deal with with some of these consequences because you know of course they're accelerating. And these consequences that we have to deal with, like I'm not trying to throw the mainstream media under the bus, but like running through some of your uh, tech docs is that the the media sometimes can either exaggerate these stories or they're inaccurate, like it's almost like clickbait. So if the YouTube effect is misunderstood, does that add a significant complication for the public discussions we should be having about all these topics? I think that that all of the media, mainstream and alternative, all of it, um, uh, finds technology incredibly confusing. And because they're in the, you know, they, they're in business and they need, as a result, they need to be, uh, you know, to make money and to keep telling stories, a lot of what we get um, is not great. Uh, and it's either absolutely wrong um, or it's extremely counterproductive. And, uh, and that's, you know, um, for me, uh, and I think for a lot of other people who have been around technology for a long time, it's extremely frustrating. Um, there are, having said that, Though there are voices in um, the technology space that absolutely know what what's going on, mm-hmm. and they're not that difficult to find. I found them fairly quickly, um, and they're getting more and more vocal, and they're getting more of an audience. And I put a lot of them in this film. You know, I think people like Becca Lewis and Talia Lavin and Brianna, Natalie Wynn, um, Hani Farid at Berkeley. Um, there's a lot of people saying a lot of very important things. Um, Cory Doctorow is really good on, on these points um, and has a very big following and has been around this space for a very long time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reason, but I think it's the same. I, I think one of the issues, you know, not to, to, to take the onus off of, of the media, but I do honestly think that we live in a time where the public has to take more responsibility. Uh, the public has to take more initiative. It's not that difficult to find real news on TV or on the internet. It doesn't mean you have to you you have to make the effort to parse out the the propaganda and the garbage from actual real news. But if you attune yourself to just basic, you know, the basic code of journalistic ethics of vetting facts and sources, it's really not that difficult. But I think a lot of people are lazy and really just honestly they like the clickbait. They wouldn't be served the clickbait by these companies if it wasn't driving numbers. You know, the public likes to get online and get their dopamine levels up and watch garbage and watch aggression and anger and rage and sort of lowest common denominator examinations of stories that don't really get deep. And there's a lot of pundits and podcasters who have giant followings who are just pumping garbage and you know, if you if you're the least bit discerning, it doesn't take very long to figure out that they have no, they're not vetting anything. They have no ethics. They have an agenda. They're usually selling something. Mm-hmm. Um, the validation again, you're talking about completely. And if the public does not, you know, if they don't care about the consequences, if they don't care that you know that they're sending their children to schools where they have to do shooter drills, and there's a good chance there's going to be a shooting around their school at some point. You know, if they don't care about what's going on with their climate, if they don't care about what's going on in, in our government and, and the possibility that we're going to lose voting rights and, 
you know, the, and potentially our the dem, democratic process full stop. Well, then, you know, keep eating these potato chips. But if you want a better world, then you've got to take you've got to take part in that world. And I and I think that's really um, kind of a you know a turning point that we're at. And it's kind of that's sort of the bad news, I guess, because you know there's there are issues that we face, and we've had it pretty good. We've been coasting for a while, and now we've got to get to work a little bit. And we can't blame, you know, really, we can't blame the internet. And we can't blame the media. We, it's it's on everybody. Yeah, there's a disappointment. I think you and I are old enough to know, like the early internet when it was introduced to us, it was kind of like a Coke commercial, right? The the classic, I'd like to teach the world to sing and per- perfect harmony. You can go online and you can connect with people and like find people that like Star Wars and like cool things and you could learn and you can grow. That's how initially the internet was pitched to us. And then somewhere along the way, as your documentary kind of acknowledges, it shifted and it now became like what we said, like that validation where like people just go on to like, uh, reinforce the worldview and like, see, I told you the earth is flat. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the place that we're in. I think it's beginning to change. I think that the, the, the last couple of years between COVID and the political situation, both here and around the world, we have this kind of rise of far right nationalistic governments all over the world, not just here in the U S um, I think that's beginning to wake people up to the fact that if they don't take care of these things, their government may not do it for them. Um, you know, these administ- some of these administrations, including ours right now, may have the best will in the world, but they may only be so active. You know, we haven't seen a lot of, of uh, they've done some good things. We haven't seen a lot of work around voting rights. We haven't seen a lot of work around climate. We haven't seen a lot of work in some very significant areas um, and I think that's waking people up because it does hit them at home directly. We haven't seen a lot of work in gun control. Um, I think these things are, I think the populace is going to get their back against a wall to a degree where they realize they have to get more involved. So as we wrapping up then, like, how do you maintain hope? What are your metrics for hope? I, I hate to say it, but I'm actually pretty uh, po- uh, Pollyanna-ish long-term. I think that, that there's a lot of, really great people doing a lot of great work. I was extremely encouraged to see how fast the global medical community, which is very competitive and usually does not share information, how quickly they came together to find a vaccine and get that out into the world. Um, There was a lot of problems with rollout and and distribution, but uh, that was a, you know, that's going to be looked back at as a, as a modern medical um, feat uh, triumph. There's a lot of amazing things going on in the technology, technology space that's going to impact a lot of people around the world for the better, or that will help people in marginalized communities and poorer countries, um, a lot of advances in medical. So, I mean, I focus on the people who are doing really good work. I, po- I focus on the people in journalism who are doing really good work. And I think that there are going to be a lot of amazing and very productive and very wonderful things coming down the pike in the future. I unfortunately think that we're also going to be facing seismic disruption that is not positive, particularly around climate and particularly around, I think, in response to uh, climate-based economic hardship and other hardships, a a rise in far-right autocracy and nationalism. And that's going to cause a lot of bloodshed, unfortunately. Hopefully not on our own soil, but that's a possibility as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But as long as you said, like, there's hope and there's progress, uh, you can kind of, like, it, everything is nuanced, right? So it's, it, you don't always have to, like, kind of fall into that pit of despair. Like, you can cling to the things that are good and, like you said, kind of amplify them, get those voices out. 
I very much hope that the the stress points that are occurring on the general population, the fact that the even now the middle and upper middle classes are suffering, that they're getting hit at the pumps because the energy price, the energy companies are gouging uh, the consumer for profit. Uh, I think that the the you know rise in climate stress, the the downside of of the um, you know, the monopolization of big tech and their lack of right now um, willingness to to uh, correct some of the the ills coming from their platforms. I think these things are going to hit the mainstream population that are used to having uh, a cushier life. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make me despair. I think that's going to make activists out of a lot more people. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. All right. That's a positive note. We can end it there. Thank you so much. Uh, the documentary is The YouTube Effect. It's playing at Tribeca. And um, do you have any distribution plans yet for it? Is it stu still too early? It's too early. I mean, we showed the movie for the very first time to anyone on in the world um, just over the last two days. So we'll be getting into that stuff this week. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, great. I will update the show notes when there is more information on that. Thank you, Alex, so much for like hanging out. Uh, we co <laughs> we covered quite a bit from the uh, from the YouTube effect to like uh, John and Sarah Connor and Skynet, and that uh, <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted's Day is uh, June nine. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much. It was good chatting. That was Alex Winter. His documentary is The YouTube Effect, and I'm the host of my summer layer, Sammy. I recommend a number of Alex's documentaries. Deep Web, Downloaded, uh, his 2020 doc Zappa, and of course Frank Zappa. It was surprisingly outstanding. Like, I'm not a Zappa fan, but I was an Alex Winter fan. So going in, and I was, like, blown away. It was superb. Two people we mentioned in this conversation. Gillian Hurd was a producer on the YouTube Effect. She, of course, produced, along with James Cameron, the original Terminator trilogy. She's currently a producer on AMC's The Walking Dead. She did um, Michael Bay's Armageddon. She did the uh, MCU movie The Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton one. I think she did the first one, too, the Angley one. Lots more. Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. I still get emotional when Arnold dies at the end. I, I, can't, get, I can't get through it. That's a, that's a hard scene, man. Like, Gail has given us so much pop culture. It's an incredible career. And now she has added this documentary to her impressive list. We don't really talk about her. So it's great we can take a moment or two to kind of recognize her work. Thank you so much, Gail. High five and fist bumps. Alex mentioned Cory Doctorow. He was a My Summer Layer guest. It's actually one of my most popular episodes. If you visit mysummerlayer.com, search for his name in the uh, well search box, it'll come up. Enjoy. That is a treat for your ears. As for me, I recently had an interesting experience with YouTube. I got a new laptop, and I hadn't signed into YouTube via Google. So it didn't know who I was. Hello, my name is Sammy. The initial displays were mostly like popular videos, uh, some pop culture, music videos. I think Carrie Styles was one of them. A couple of Stranger Things, like a trailer or something from Netflix. It was like when Disney Plus first started and the algorithm didn't know who I was or even what I liked. 
Hello, my name is Sammy. It's all like the old couples in when Harry met Sally, sharing those like how they first met stories. I had to introduce myself to the algorithm. This is how we first met. And I don't know if we're living happily ever after, but we've been together ever since. A short My Summer Lair PSA before we wrap up. Has this recent pandemic made you shy about sharing? Do you find yourself closed off? Are you hiding your light under a bushel? Whatever a bushel is. Today. Right now. Choose. Life. Set yourself free from your emotional quarantine. Start small and share this My Summer Lair podcast. Take one small step and share it with one friend. Or if you feel up to it. Two friends. I know. Some wild and crazy people will post this episode on Facebook for everyone. But that's not where you're at. What is one small step you can take today to share my summer lair? They say sharing is caring. That's true. What's also true is that sharing is self-caring. So today. Right now. Care for yourself. And share this episode. Thank you for your courage. It means so much to Sammy, to all of us. If you'll excuse me, I have something in my eye. Thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world. The YouTube effect, yo.